Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good, everybody? Happy Friday. Your boy Dexter Henry here with the NBA Exchange. Busy week. A lot has been going on. Uh, with this, I'm excited what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about some Miami Heat basketball because we have not touched upon them uh, this year in full depth yet. So considering we're talking about Miami Heat basketball, y'all already probably know who's coming on. It's got to be the guy who acts like he isn't a Miami Heat fan. But I'm not even going to do that to him. We're not going to say this about him not being a Miami Heat fan anymore. This is what we will say. He is very connected and is connected with other people who are connected to Miami Heat basketball. You see him doing work with Five Reason Sports. You see him in a lot of places. He is my co-host with the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Uh, It is my guy, Brian Fonseca. Brian, what's going on, man? (laughs) I'm doing better than they are. I mean, we could start there. You know, you're I doing better. I, I, you're doing I, better than they are. That, I, that's I, that's I ain't good losing, personally for you. I ain't losing to the Lakers. You know, with Dennis Schroeder blowing by me five times in the clutch or whatever it was, and you know, yeah. a team that doesn't even have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and like they were playing, they were actually playing good basketball before that, like eight and three and over eleven games, and just, but you know, doing all right. Got some things coming. Uh. And obviously, you know, this is a big boxing week because Javante Tank Davis is uh, fighting. So I wrote about that for Action Network and got some stuff uh, got some stuff planned in combat sports world that we'll, we'll be getting into later this month. But happy to be here, yeah. as always. Yes, we're going to get later this month. And I, it's funny. I feel like we're going to have a good combat sports discussion on our next episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. I'm actually looking forward to having with you after this Javante Davis fight. Yeah. Um, and also some things that have been going around with football and physicality. I think there's a lot of... Good things to talk about there yeah, in terms of sports point. culture. We'll get we'll get it. We'll yeah, we'll get into that. Um, the Miami Heat, you I think uh, yeah, it was you the other night. You texted me. You were like, "Yo, this team's like kind of boring." You know, the, the, the Miami Heat they just haven't been exciting this year. You know, no, no, I, no I call I called them a five hundred ass team. A five hundred ass team. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but listen, they're 20 and 19. That is a 500-ass team, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's what they are. So, you know, also, we call them boring. They're mediocre. I don't think the Heat have ever been exciting in this recent stretch offensively exciting, and we'll get to that a little later, but they're mediocre. Why, why do you think that they are a mediocre 500-ass team right, right now? Like, why, why are they that? Well, I mean, there are a bunch of nuanced reasons for that, but, like, the the – just the simplest form of it is like they win games that they shouldn't and they lose games that they shouldn't like. And then thus you're about 500. Like it's that simple sometimes. Right. I think ultimately what it is, is they started off this year just behind the eight ball in terms of not having Omer Yurtsevin, who was probably going to be in a rotation, not having Victor Oladipo, who they were counting on all things considered, you know, going into the season. Yes. He wasn't expected to beat the Victor Oladipo, old but he was one of the guys that Ethan Skolnick with five reasons kept reporting they were counting on him to really emerge and pick up where he left off after an impressive playoff performance defensively especially and that the offense would come along at some point and to their credit since he's returned from injury recently he's been very good on the ball defensively and wreaking havoc on the perimeter however this team had a flawed roster coming into the season, I think. And there's been a whole lot of, like, should this team run it back? You know, that was very, very much a thing during the offseason. And essentially what they did was they let P.J. Tucker walk. They kept Caleb Martin because it kind of had to become a choice, you know, financially. They made the right move in that regard. However, they didn't address the four spot with, like, say, Duncan Robinson and whomever. And 
in all likelihood, in order to get rid of Duncan Robinson to get a four power forward, you would have had to attach a first round pick. And ultimately, that's not something that they did. And there you have the roster construction where, again, and I say this all the time, if Bam Adebayo, who's been awesome this year, we're going to get to him. If he's going to play out on the perimeter defensively, or I should say switch out on the, to the perimeter defensively, you're going to need someone else who's got some size, who can rebound down low or box guys out. That's the spot where they miss P.J. Tucker because he could at least do that in a way that Caleb Martin can't, in a way that Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, they could rebound well for their position. Rebounding well for your position and rebounding well versus a Thomas Bryant who kept who got clutch rebounds against them in the fourth quarter, you know, one against two, like totally different things. So they need to size up. And now Nikola Jovic is hurt, and they weren't playing him that much to begin with, which is confusing to me, but he's a rookie. Omer Yurtsevin, there's no signs of him coming back anytime soon. And Dwayne Dem has been playing through injury all season long. So you've had to rely on two-way player Orlando Robinson, who's actually been, you know, pretty good in spots as a rookie, but he's ultimately a rookie. And this team needs to get big and get big fast. And that's part of why there are they are where they are right now. Yeah, 20 and 19. That's where the Miami Heat are right now. So pretty mediocre. I think the thing people look at, you know, this is a team that was right on the verge of possibly going back to the NBA Finals last year. And if they were shot away against Boston. Um, they were in the finals so three seasons ago uh, in the bubble season. They get there. Um, so I think some people are wondering, and I saw we're right at the halfway point of the season. We're talking about 39 games for the Miami Heat. Um, do you still look at them as title contenders? Are, are they title contenders or no? Or are we starting to see some sort of shift with the Miami Heat? Well, internally, they think they're title contenders, but they're not playing like it. And I think, to be fair, on a team with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero in there as well this season, you should fancy yourself a title contender, especially coming off last year. The problem is the rest of their roster and construction is just, you know, they're asking a lot of guys to do more than they should have to. And that's what happens when your roster is thin and when your roster is, I would say, incomplete in terms of a build. And the reason why it's hard to say that they're actually title contenders is, one, their record. And at some point you are what your record says. But then also, like from a macro standpoint, the Bucs and the Celtics have been the clear two best teams in the Eastern Conference all season long. The Nets, although against a softer schedule and with good health, like they've been playing well as of late. They've been better than the Heat this season. The Sixers have been better, ultimately. Like, you know, they have their issues as well, but I wouldn't put the Heat on their tier as of late, the way they've been playing, right? Then you have the Cleveland Cavaliers. So you have at least five teams in the Eastern Conference, and I would cap it at five teams in the Eastern Conference who are definitively better than them and who you would ultimately favor in a playoff series against this Miami Heat team. That's not to say that the Heat can't hang with some of those teams and potentially beat some of those teams in a playoff series, but you wouldn't bet on them to beat probably any of those teams in the playoff series, or at the very least, they'd be underdogs. And that's how you have to look at it, because in the Eastern Conference right now, they'd probably be outside the top top five, and this is a 15-team conference. So you need to – and I had said this going into the season. I thought that they were going to be a – mid-40s win team, 46, 47-ish wins, something like that, if they sort of stood pat. Now, they're going to need some work to even get to that point, right? A lot of work. But it's entirely possible because, you know, they can go on a late-season run and, you know, if they're healthy, whatever the case may be. But I ultimately said if this team is going to contend, they need to do something between now and the trade deadline. We're getting closer and closer to that. January 15th is a significant date because that's when certain contracts, Dwayne Dedman, Victor Oladipo, mm-hmm. are eligible for trade. I don't think they're trading Victor Oladipo, but, you know, in the right deal, who knows? And the Kyle Lowry element is interesting. But in order to really contend, they have to make at least one move, probably more than one significant move, to really bolster this roster. And we're going to get to that a little later. Like, what is that? What could be that significant move for the Miami Heat? We'll see there. I think if you're the most optimistic Heat fan, I think one of the things you have to look at this season, at least for me, is Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, have had some leaps in their game, both particularly offensively. Uh, Tyler Hero with the shot selection and efficiency. Bam Adebayo also 
improving a little bit offensively, which is something you know you and I have talked about and I've been calling for and saying that needed to happen for the Heat, I think, to get to the next um, level level there. Have you been impressed with, also with Bam, particularly where he is in his growth, and do you still think there's another level for him? And what about Tyler Hero as he grows offensively? Um, you know, you talk his name, he's probably the Heat's best trade chip when you talk about making moves, if they were to move off of him. Not saying that they were, but the growth of both of these guys, where, where do you like what you've seen from them this year? Well, that's been the thing, right? Like, among all the less than desirable things that they've had to endure this season, you've at least seen the growth of these two, Bamit Abayo and Tyler Hero. Excuse me. And with both of them, they have chemistry, great chemistry. Like one of their best probably their best play and then has been for a while now is when they run a Tyler Bam pick and roll and they're able to get a lot of options off of that. They just have such great chemistry. Part of that is because Tyler Hero can get to his spots around the elbow, pull up mid-range jumper. He's taking more threes now, which is good. Taking them off the dribble, some catch and shoots as well. And with Bam at a bio, he's just gotten more creative with his offense down low. It's not everything, you know, not everything is dunks and he's not putting up threes, but I don't think, you know, we're going to be at that point because, you know, it takes a while for a big to even get there. Look at how long it took even Brooke Lopez and Al Horford, you know, after becoming, you know, nice with the mid-range, you know, how long it took them to really become deadly three-point shooters. So I'm not looking for Bam to do that anyway, but he's gotten more comfortable from the mid-range. And that's something that sort of like he established really in that first couple of seasons stretch where he really emerged, you know, right before and after the pandemic started where he was hitting some mid-range jumpers. It kind of got away from that a little bit last year and now is back to really hitting that mid-range jumper, facing up, you know, has some floaters near the rim about eight feet out or so and is able to get into the lane and finish strong and get to the line as well. So, you know, Tyler Hero, my big thing has been just getting to the free throw line also. Um, I feel like he's done that a little bit more, uh, you know, over the course of the season, but like I still want to see that rate go up. He should be getting to the line significantly more probably like five six times a game but he's been very good uh he's developed as a playmaker as well and he's somebody who like you can count on late in games to get you a bucket because he has multiple game winners this season and it's somebody who's come up big in fourth quarter so that development has been interesting and you can see the pathway to both of them being great alongside jimmy butler and now it's about figuring out the pieces around that or determining you know something you hinted at like is is Tyler Hero, and I, I'm not inclined to move him necessarily, mm. but there are going to be some things on the table where, yeah, he is your best trade chip because this team is not going to trade Jimmy Butler, and this team is not going to trade Bam at a bio. It's going to be hard if you're going to upgrade significantly not to move Tyler Hero. I would obviously try not to, uh, except for like, you know, there were talks about Donovan Mitchell over the summer, and they didn't have the horses to sort of get Donovan Mitchell because Utah wanted Bam at a bio. Tyler Hero, like if he had to be included in that deal, yeah, you got to do it. You know what I mean? Same thing with Kevin Durant and same thing with, you know, maybe that dude in L.A. who didn't play against him the other day. That's something that's going to be talked about this mm-hmm. summer. So we'll see. It, 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 you will. And, and I will say, because you mentioned about Bam's growth and the mid-range where he's been excelling. I think the word you used there was comfortable because a lot of some of my criticism with him last year in the playoffs is that he didn't look comfortable and he looked very hesitant to take those shots, and I'm very intrigued to see is, you know, I think the Heat will make the playoffs, but against different playoff defenses, will he have that comfort level that he's shown thus far in the regular season to do it? Uh, let's get back to the trade stuff, because I think that's the thing. Like, you kind of answered this. You feel like they need to shake something up with this roster, um, but what is that, right? Like, like what what is the shakeup for the Heat? Is it a name I saw rumored out there? I believe it was yesterday I came across is Zach Levine. Uh, I'm going to tell that name at you. No, you're shaking your head. This is like when people bring up Zach Levine to the Knicks for me. I immediately shake my head. And people sometimes are looking at me like, why? And I'm like, why do you think this is the solution? Um, (laughs) uh, Are there any other names you think that could really help the Heat uh, in terms of shaking up the roster with a trade? Yeah, I mean, there's been talks about, and I'm just looking through it here. There's been talks about guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, but I don't, I don't think he's gonna like. Yeah, it's fun and it's a creative option that you can see where it works as a four. But like, two of the things he's not really good at is defense and rebounding, and that's where the Heat have struggled. And I don't think he's gonna help much there. Like, yes, I understand. 
offenses wave now. A lot of people think this season has been fun because everybody's scoring 130 and we have 50-point nights seemingly every night. I don't think that's a lot of fun in that, but that's another discussion for another thing. I think that if you're going to get somebody at the four, you got to get somebody who could defend at least a little bit or, like, rebound a little bit. And Boyan Bogdanovich is – if you put him in that starting lineup now, he's probably the worst rebounder on this team. So I don't think that that's something that's going to help them. You know, there are key fans that want Kelly Olenek back. And there's a pathway to that making sense. And it wouldn't cost a ton. Is Utah willing to do that? Obviously, that's your Duncan Robinson trade chip. And that's the thing about, like, the salary structures of a lot of these contracts. It's like you need the Duncan Robinson contract to get you in. And I feel like this is why they paid him so much is because they felt like they could flip him. And he's somebody who just became the Heat's all-time three-point uh, leader in NBA history, which is crazy because, like, it only took a few years, and that shows you where the game is right now. But you need that Duncan Robinson contract in order to make things work, and you probably need at least a first-round pick. So, you know, is a Kelly Olynyk enough? And do you want to pay a first-round pick for Kelly Olynyk? So to me, the way I look at it is this. I actually don't think there's a move where – I'm like, unless there's something shocking where I'm like immediately they can win a championship. So to me, you have to get somebody who's not on an expiring contract. And I think that's the key to it, right? You have to get somebody who's also going to be here the year after, because I just don't think they have enough right now, even though that's a big thing in Miami. Like Eric Spolster saying, we have enough, we have enough. I don't think they have enough right now as presently constructed. So to me, I think you need to, if you're going to make a trade, get somebody who's going to be here next year. And I think because there are certain difficulties in trading, like a Tyler Hero, for example, again, not that I would do that, but like you're not doing that midseason. Kyle Lowry is an interesting one because that's just straight up not working this year. And is he somebody who they're going to try to dangle? And I don't know for what, but he has a bigger salary number, closer to 30 million, like 28 million or so. And he's under contract for next year. So it's something that, like, if you wanted to hold off, you could do something in the summer. I almost think, I almost think that they could, like, not even go full speed ahead and just not punt, not punt. But I'm saying, like, they could just kind of play out the season as is and then make their big move in the summer. Kind of like what they did a couple of years ago. And this season kind of reminds me a lot of that one after the bubble. So I think that uh, at this point, you know, it, 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 this season, I'm not sure there's a big move on the table, at least right now, but things could change in this league very quickly, and they have. I could see that. I could definitely see them making their move after the season. I'm not sure what the big move is. It, the Heat, in a, in a weird way, in a similar position as the Knicks, where I think you're going to hear these names like uh, Levine and DeRozan, and I'm not sure those fit for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bogdanovich, I think he's the one that people say, oh, it's a little creative, will it help? Some offense, and he do have some offensive issues. I, I, I do, you know, they're twenty seventh in adjusted offensive rating. Like they, I understand the need for people to do that. And defensively, they're actually, while the rebounding has not been good, they're seventh in adjusted defensive rating. So they're, they're and that's a lot because of what you said. The recent stretch they had before the Lakers lost eight and three, they had been playing some better defense. You had seen that, but there were defensive issues with them because if you look at their numbers in the beginning of this first half of the season, yep. they're kind of around 18 to 20, and you're like, this isn't the heat that we normally are seeing. So the defense has been getting better. I agree with you. What do you – you do need – the heat need offensive help. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But what are you bringing in at that cost, and does that take away from so much you on the defensive end? I do think Kelly Olenek is an interesting piece, but I agree with you. Does it – where does that put you? I'm not yeah. really sure. I, I don't um, know if it dramatically helps you. Right. right. I'm not sure about that. Uh, if the Heat are to turn this around second half and get back to the, you know, Heat culture and a resurgence, what do you think has to happen? Is it a trade? Can this team turn it around and get into definitively the top six or maybe I would say the top five? What do you think it's going to take for them to turn it around in the second half? Well, the thing about this NBA season is I don't think teams are that like there are tiers you can separate teams in tiers all day like tier one in the Eastern Conference for example is probably Celtics Bucks tier two is probably Cavs Sixers uh, Cavs Sixers Nets the Heat should be in that tier at their best they're in that tier 
but they just haven't been like for over the course of the season. But if you want to put them there, that's fine. That's where they should be anyway. Um, if not, then they're on the two A tier, and then after that, you would have like Knicks, Raptors, Hawks, Bulls, whatever the case may be. But probably not the Bulls this season, and the Knicks are probably better than those other two teams. So, like the point is that not a lot separates them, and I think that because there's no juggernaut in either conference, especially not in the West. I think that there are reasons to go for it now, even though I question how much the Heat can actually be like. Part of it is their roster is their roster. Part of it is also you don't have a ton to like trade with, right? We just saw what Rudy Gobert went for, and that's already looking like a historically awful trade. And as somebody who's pretty anti-Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, advanced analytics NBA Twitter, then, yeah, I think the, we'll take the victory lap on this one very graciously um but like <laughs> as it relates to the heat and their and their and their sort of situation like they can talk themselves into and will there's something like that they can do to sort of put them back in the mix right and look this is maybe the best front office in basketball all it took a couple of years ago was mm. a jay crowder Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill trade where they used Justice Winslow and I believe James Johnson and Dion Waiters, right? Like, that's all it really took. And then, you know, there was a pandemic, which they didn't even play that well in the bubble, like, initially. And then they sort of found their rhythm and people could say what they want about the bubble. But, like, look, everybody was in there trying to win a championship except for maybe the Clippers. So, like, they were able to get there. And then they got back almost to the NBA Finals last year with a lot of the same dudes. And that's part of it too. It's like Max Drews isn't playing that well. If he picks it up and he had some moments recently, but if he picks it up, then that's something that could change your fortune. Gabe Vincent, I feel like it's kind of lost a step defensively this year was trying to play through injury and offensively. He hasn't quite been what I think uh, is his best case scenario. And that's like Mario Chalmers ish. Hasn't quite been that this year. If he picks it up in the second half. Maybe you got something. Being healthy is going to be the key. Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup and that's part of the struggles too, but in and out of the lineup knee injury, you know, this and that, and third, ankle, whatever the case may be. Just staying healthy is also part of this too. But in terms of what you can potentially do in the second half is regarding a trade, you look at Duncan Robinson's contract, he's making about $17 million this year. And you look at the guys around that that you can get, um, there's not a lot there. And OG Ananubi is probably the most interesting name, but is Toronto really going to just give you OG Ananubi? Like, that's going to require multiple first-round picks. Yeah, multiple first-round picks. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's some, that's like, that's sort of the dream for in that lineup, but you ain't going to get OG Ananubi without giving up a, a King's Ransom, so to speak. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. We'll see what the Heat are able to do into the, in the second half. We'll see about that. All right. This is the spicy part of the show that I wanted to talk with Brian about. Uh, we're going to get off some heat talk here. The all-star voting. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> These goddamn fans. Uh, the returns <laughs> came in yesterday, and boy, were they interesting. Very yeah. interesting, to say the least. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling them up right here, right so now. Um, so you have it. I thought it was very interesting. Um, okay. And these are the first fan returns, right? Just, I want to explain to the audience so they understand. Fans have 50% of the vote. The media has 25% and the players have 25%. Okay. Um, I have issues with that. I don't go as crazy about some other people do because it's the all-star game. I don't care that much. I really don't. But y'all be tripping out here. Um, what was your reactions to these? You know, LeBron James, leading vote-getter, right? Not surprising. Uh, leads the front court. Kevin Durant, leading the front court in the West. Uh, not surprising. Your boy Kyrie Irving, leading all guards in the East. His army uh, came so- out and voted for him. Oh, oh, the, the voiceless? The voiceless, <laughs> the ones who came out and voted for him? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um might make an all yeah, well, though. You know, he might be he might be worthy of it the way he's been playing lately. I'll give it to him. Yeah, look, look, I don't look. I'm not doing look, the Kyrie thing now. I, 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 no, I'm, no, no, I'm not going to that. <laughs> the, 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 the larger point I'm going to make off of that is like, look, this is what we got to take away, and we'll get into this and with the fans and stuff. This is a popularity contest, folks. Mm-hmm. I understand that it has always been that. I've always understand that. 
let's let me tell let me say why. The 10th number 10 in front court voting right now in the Western Conference is Kavan Looney. Kavan Looney's there because of the popularity of the Warriors right now. You know who's not on the top 10 in front court players in the West who's having a fantastic season? I think there's a legitimate argument this person could be an all-star. Demonis Sabonis, not there. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, not there at all whatsoever, okay? Not there at all whatsoever. Um, in the Eastern Conference, you got the highest vote-getting Nick is Derrick Rose. I understand Derrick Rose is an insanely popular player, has been from the time he won an MVP. A lot of popularity out in China, different places. Derrick Rose should be on. Derrick Rose is not even in the Knicks rotation right now. Right? Not even in Nick rotation right now. Okay? Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, both who are having borderline all-star worthy seasons. I think one of them gets it. Neither of them in the top 10 votes in front court or guards in the Eastern Conference. All right? Trey Young, who's having a terrible season shooting the ball, is fifth in voting. Okay, this 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 is what talk this this is what we're talking about, and he's ahead of Tyrese Halliburton, who's leading the league in assists. Uh, Demonis Sabonis leading the league in rebounds. He's not here. Austin Reeves, people. Austin Reeves. Of that the was Lakers. the that was the one for me. That was the one for me. Where I was like, <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll let you talk there. <laughs> like Reeves. like. I, I I know this is like when we saw Alex Caruso, I feel like, on one of these a few years ago. And it's just, you know, for whatever reason, there's always one white dude on the Lakers that gets really popular, and it happens to be Austin Reeves, who's usually, like, a good player, right? It's usually Alex Caruso. Um, Austin Reeves is usually a pretty good player. <laughs> he ain't an all-star, though. Like, I'm not even going to pick this apart in terms of, like – this person should be like we just talked about the season Bam is having and the season Hero having. Neither one of them are here, right? Um, that's probably because the Heat fans are spending too much time complaining about the roster, not actually voting for players that are on their team. Um, Nick Claxton, Jared Allen, you know what I mean? Like there are just guys here where I'm like, are we sure? Lamelo Ball? I understand his popularity, but like, I mean, <laughs> is he an All Star this year? I don't know if I've seen him play this year, so let's not even like you know get deep. He just. That. He's I've like seen him games. Yeah, I've seen him play, but like barely, you know, a couple games. I say he's been injured, and Charlotte's the most irrelevant team in the league this year. Ultimately, like you know, this is this just speaks to like a larger societal problem where we just give random people too much power. It's happening on Twitter where like people are uh, getting verified just because they subscribe to Twitter Blue, uh, and in some cases, <laughs> you know, announcing it on social media uh, that they're verified, which is weird. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's just it's basically an extension of that. It's just like random people just going to do what they do. And, you know, I think that if we put this to the players to vote, I think the results are going to be weird. If we do this in the media, I honestly think it'll be better. But I still think there'll be a couple things where it's like, huh? You know, so it is what it is. It's, yeah, just, no, it's I- just fans just, you know, taking – Taking control of their power and whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I think, yeah, no, there's never going to be a perfect system. And I think the players, if you gave them 50%, they'd probably mess it up too. They got Jamal Crawford would still be getting votes. Yeah. Do we think – should we change this though? Like, I, I'm not sure I care enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we absolutely – no, because here's the problem. It's like I, like I don't care that enough either – in terms of like the fans are going to do what they do. However, right. when we have discussions about all-time players, one of the things we mentioned is their all-star appearances. And now because Andrew Wiggins got voted to the all-star game last year, we have to forever address him as all-star, former all-star Andrew Wiggins, right? And that's something that like NBA champion, great. He was the second best player probably on that team uh, at times during the playoffs, and probably their entire playoff run. That's better than being an all-star. You're still an all-star who started the game because of, I don't know, some K-pop shit people were saying. I don't even know enough about that to get into that, right? But, like, the thing is, when we have these debates, all-star comes up all the time. It's maybe, always but, something that happens. But, but maybe, maybe my point is, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't, but it still up. will. It's focus, not going to stop. Focus, 
focus on all NBA. All NBA matters a lot more to me than All Star, right? It's I the agree. thing I'm going to look at. It is higher. Maybe we should, you're you're not wrong that people don't bring it up. You're right about that. People do bring this up in the conversation. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe we're giving it too much weight, and collectively, not you and me, but people are giving it too much weight. And sure, would I be annoyed if they said let's give 50% of the vote to the media? No, because I think the media and people who cover it are going to do a better job than the fans because I think what happens is you're getting way too many casuals mm-hmm. in here that are voting and 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 trolls. Let's call it what it is. There's trolls. casuals and trolls. And they're out here saying, oh, yeah, you know how I'm going to mess the system up? I'm going to vote for Austin Reeves. You mentioned uh, Caruso. And this is no shade to this place. Do you remember a couple years ago when Zaza Pachulia <laughs> was like number four in front court voting and almost got in? <laughs> Taco Fall, Taco Fall, a couple years ago, he was on like a two-way contract. Just, just because y'all... he's like, just because he's like eight foot twelve, and they wanted to put him in the All Star game, and like you know, I just no. yeah. It happened Listen. to Allen Iverson one year when he was hurt and he wasn't even playing. Yep. He was yep. up there in votes. Like this is something yeah, that's that... happened in all the for for generations at this point. And again, I don't take it too seriously because I understand this is an exhibition game. I do not take it that seriously. I have no problem if fans want to see their favorite players. They want to see the most flashy players. I, you know, on, on something, it wouldn't surprise me in the second round of voting if Trey Young had a – I understand all that. They want to see the, the players that are going to make the game the most entertaining. I get that. But there has to be some standard. Y'all, y- some of y'all do too much, and some of y'all really do too much when you're out here voting for Austin Reeves. <laughs> like, you, that, that, that's where I'm like, okay, man, come on. Come on, you're not watching the league. No votes for Demonis and Bonus is crazy. No, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson not being in the top ten. I'm really intrigued to see fan bases like the Knicks and the Kings, who have beefs and legitimate beefs in both these situations. How much these fans go hard to vote for those guys now in, before the second round of voting comes out? I, that is intriguing. the Heat too. I would say the Heat too because uh, the, I mean Jimmy Butler's there, but like. Bam probably is more right. the case because he's been healthier and playing better. And Tyler Hero, I think I don't yeah. think he's an all star, but I think he should be in the mid in the top ten. <laughs> uh, I, I I and I think there's even more of a case. Listen, Bam is going to be tough because the front court is loaded. Yeah, in the Eastern Conference, and we can get. To I that think the coaches. Moment. I think because you know the bench gets determined by, you know, uh, coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. I think. Yes. I think he can get in that way because the front court. You're right. It's it's Tatum, Durant, Giannis. He's never. Yeah, he's he's never. He's not a and Embiid, and Embiid too. That's right. And Embiid, and Embiid, right? And and then then you talk, then you're talking about either Jimmy and or Bam. You're talking about uh, you know Julius Randle as a possibility. I yeah. think there, that's that's all legit. Um, you can talk Jared Allen. Siakam. Siakam, who's having a really good season, I know the record is going to hurt him in, in that front. But but listen, but the point we're talking about is it is ridiculous, and I will say this too for Bam, it's ridiculous that he's not in the top 10 in voting. Like, how do you watch basketball? Which, again, is my point. I don't think all these people are watching. Right. How do you watch and say that he's not necessarily one of the 10 best players of front court players in the Eastern Conference? Like, there's just no way. Yeah. Do you, how behind, do you, behind, like, Nick Claxton? Like, what? That doesn't make yeah, sense. Who's, Nick Claxton is no, having a good, good season. Yeah, yeah. But like, a good season, yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, he's leading, the, he's leading the league in, in field goal percentage. But then on the other hand, uh, what is it? Uh, Sabonis is the leading league in rebounding. Is shooting 62% uh, true shooting percentage from the field. And he is not in the top 10. Austin Reeves has more votes than him. <laughs> uh, when you look at this, though, this is what I wanted to ask you with this before we before we get you out of here. Uh, the predictions when I'm looking at this, do you, outside of the other stuff that we saw, because a lot, the, the front court in the East and the West is, it's really tight. I, 80s, not, 80s probably, he might get voted in still. Who knows with these fans? Uh, 80 probably wouldn't make it. Now, I would think Zion Williamson should get that third spot over him. That would be, I mean, I, I mean, if, I, if I'm being honest, if I'm really being honest about the best people in the front court, I probably would give it to Sabonis. Uh, to be to be quite honest, I still think Zion should make the All Star team. Yeah. Uh, but I think Sabonis is probably going to get in as a reserve. Uh, but if Zion should probably pass AD, Jokic, LeBron, I think we're fine. I think we're fine with those three. I think those guys getting voted in. Is there somebody else you think should get the front court spot? One of the three front court spots in the East? Nah, it, 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 that's the race. 
And really, I think Zion, now that he's hurt, like we'll see how much time he actually misses. But I think right. Zion Williamson, he's been so good this year. I don't have a problem putting Sabonis ahead of him, but we both know that that's probably not going to happen anyway. So nah. like Sabonis will get in as a reserve. But both of those guys deserve to be in. Zion's been – I mean, he, he he has me believe – like, and I was high on this team coming in. I've called them my Western Conference team because I love watching them. But he has me thinking, like, like insane shit that they could do in the playoffs. He just has to be healthy. And uh, Brandon Ingram as well, because he, you know, he's been dinged up this year. They got to just stay yep. healthy over there in New Orleans, and I think they could compete with anybody, literally anybody in the Western Conference. Like they're built like a playoff roster. They got those pesky reserves coming off the bench, guys who can make who plays. You, who you love? Yes, your your boy, your boy Jose GTA. Alvarado. <laughs> guys who can make plays on both ends of the floor, right? Like Zion. Mm-hmm. Part of it is he's competing defensively. When you watch him play, like he's not just doing things offensively in the point Zion and finishing around the rim and all that shit. He's competing defensively. And that translates to the rest of their team. I would not call their best three players like good defensive players. Him, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. But they compete. And that's what you want out of those type of players. And you got guys like Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado and Larry Nance who could actually really defend really well. Yeah. You know, so like yeah, they're they're scary good uh when they're when yeah. they're healthy and when they're clicking. I, I agree. The guards in the West, I mean, Curry Doncic seem like locks for backcourt for me. And I, th- I mean, and listen, I know Curry's going to have missed time, but he's Steph Curry. He's getting in. <laughs> and, and fans yeah. want to see him light up on threes. I, I personally don't have a problem with it. You could sit here and tell me it should be probably Ja, who I think will get in, and yeah. Luca, and that's fine. But I think Ja will get in. The guy that I hope is a guard doesn't get left out here, two guys actually I should talk about. One, SGA. I do think he's deserving. I know the record isn't that great, but, man, he's been fantastic this year. And a guy who's not even in the top ten here, De'Aaron Fox. I am not a big De'Aaron Fox fan. I've not been a big De'Aaron Fox fan before this year, but I got to give him credit where credit's due. The shooting numbers are good. He's been fantastic this year. He's cut down on turnovers. He probably deserves a spot in as, as a reserve guard. The Kings are where they are. And they're five games over 500. They probably are going to – should have an argument for two All-Stars. They're having their best season in 16 years. <laughs> they might make the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Um, there's an argument there. Uh, any, you don't have an issue with the guards in the West, right? No, and then I still – like, we'll see when Devin Booker actually gets back. But uh, Good he, point. Good point he's there. Some, he, he's somebody who's going to be in the mix too because he's, he's missed some time, but he still played like 30 games or so. And he's probably like if he if he's healthy, I think he's gonna get in. So it's gonna be difficult. And look, this is part of why I think the all-star game should be fifteen on fifteen, and I've been saying that for years as opposed to twelve on twelve, especially because in terms of eligible like players, like you're carrying fifteen man rosters. Now you you're not playing all of them necessarily, but you're carrying fifteen man rosters, sometimes seventeen with two two ways, and there's thirty teams in the league, why not 30 All-Stars? It should be 15 on 15 instead of 12 versus 12, and you get fewer. Oh, yeah. more, more deserving guys that should uh, be in the game. And so what, what you could be like, oh, you know, then not everyone's going to play that much, and it's like a All-Star game. Who cares? Just put guys for yeah, well, 20 I'm, minutes. That, that, the, that, I'm still stunned that this is something the league has not switched yet. You and I have talked about this many times before in the podcast. It's something I'm stunned they haven't switched. Real quick, uh, Eastern Conference front court: Durant, Giannis, Embiid. I mean, it's tough in the Eastern Conference. You could argue Tatum should be there in the three. Um, somebody I think I would. left out. I think I, I, I might. I might. Argue who, you, who, them, you, who are you? Who are you kicking out? That's the problem, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah who are you kicking Tatum's out? Tatum's been so good on both sides, but it's like I, I it's like I almost want to stick them in at guard and just be like, here's the best five, and then just pick well, one of the guards. Well, now, right? well, now, now you're bringing up another argument that I'm surprised the league hasn't moved to, and I think you support this too. Can we just go positionless on the all-star mm-hmm. voting? Can we just do that and get the yeah. five best starters in there? Could, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, like I wouldn't mind that at all. Because this is a case where it will make a lot of sense, right? Because I would say that the four best players in the Eastern Conference are probably those four, and then Donovan Mitchell would probably be the best guard, and that's your starting five. Mitchell, Tatum, Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. But, you know, I don't think it, it could go that way. Um had a pretty good feeling that once all the Kyrie Irving stuff went down, that we would be talking about him starting in the All-Star game because that's just kind of how this goes. 
Uh, so he's probably going to be starting in the all-star game along with Donovan Mitchell. And then you're going to have three of those front court guys. And as far as the front court goes, like we sort of laid it out before, right? Durant, uh, Giannis, and B. Tatum are all going to be in. I think Bam should be in. I think Siakam and Julius Randle have great cases. And I think you can put both of them in because, you know, a lot of times it'll be five guards, seven front court guys that like you could do it that way. We also have to see like who's going to be healthy around that time. But I think that's what you're talking about, right? Like Julius Randle. I mean, you're a Nick fan and you watch him more even than I do. And I would say, like, he has a good case to be in the All-Star team this season, given what yeah. we've seen from him yeah. in terms of yeah, production, competing on the defensive end. Um, back to back closer to where he was when he was All-NBA Julius Randle a couple of years ago. And then with the guards, it's like Kyrie will get in. He's been very good lately. Kyrie, yes. you know, he's been very good lately. He's also another one who's competing on defense, right? Donovan Mitchell, I think, has been the best guard in the Eastern Conference. And, <clears throat> like, is, is unlike his former teammate at Utah, worthy of the trade package that was uh, being acquired or Ooh. being, you know, traded for him. Um, and then other than that in the East, I think Jalen Brown should get in. James Harden is up here. It doesn't surprise me. I'm, I, I hesitate to say all-star, but, you know. He's been good since he got back. He's not what he wants. What, but he's been solid. I, I wouldn't be upset if he got it. Yeah, he missed time, and so it's tricky. But I feel like he's somebody who he might end up getting in. We'll here's, here's a, here's he has more of a case I, to me than Trey Young, probably. I No, I agree with that. The other person I think that people are going to talk about, and I think this is the one for me, and I'm not going to be on my Wally Zerbiak on this, because what, oh, yeah. <laughs> what Wally Zerbiak did was whack. Um, yeah. uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He's I mean, leading the league. He's in for me. Mm-hmm. I I put him in over Harden. Does this remind you of 0708 Chris Paul? Almost, not not as good on both sides of the ball, but like just offensively, kind of. Yeah, not good. as good defensively, yeah. but in terms of like impact on the team, which I think is the point you're making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this team like, is a lot better than I expected. They're not yeah, that good, and they might only make the no. play in, but still, he controls the game. And look, I mean. Who did who did this guy want the Knicks to draft that year? <laughs> just saying. Mitchell, just saying. Mitchell, Kyrie, Jalen Brown are all gonna get in, I think. And Tyrese Halliburton should he's been he's the next best guard to me, right? I, I mean, I would even argue that he's probably in the top three with Mitchell and Jalen Brown. I, I don't Maybe. disagree. I you don't know, disagree. Because Kyrie's missed a little bit of time, although not that much. He hasn't had the Kyrie injury yet. We'll see if that happens later on this year. Darius Garland, I feel like his case is going to be interesting. Um, I think he's one that's going to come with him and Jalen Brunson. I think it's going to be very tight. Yeah, I, that's another one. I think Jalen Brunson, to me, is probably going to – he like if the Knicks get a player, I think he's the guy because positionally it's easier. Like there's an easier pathway for Jalen Brunson. For to him than it is for Randall. He has the the problem with Jalen Brunson is like not with him, but he has to compete against big names at the guard spot. But objectively, he's been better than James Harden this season. I feel like I'd take his season over Trey Young's. I know Trey Young has the gaudier numbers. Oh, in terms of yeah, but but and his shooting has not Trey Young's shooting's been down. Yeah, in terms of yeah, Jalen Brunson to me, I think like if I'm looking at guards, Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is somebody who's going to get consideration here, but I think Jalen Brunson has a really, really good case. And I also think, like we talked about Tyler Hero, he's somebody who should be mentioned here. I think his pathway to get in is going to be difficult because of all the names we said, and I think because Miami's probably going to get Bam in as an all-star, and Jimmy may be ahead of Tyler Hero even, because just kind of how it works, right? But like, I think Tyler Hero is somebody who should get consideration and who may end up getting in because of injuries, but I don't think he's going to be somebody who gets in like right off the bat. I think with Jalen Brunson, the way he's been playing and how impactful he's been, like I think, and Dex, like if we did some trivia here briefly, he's the first Knicks guard. He would be the first Knicks guard to be an all-star since when? Is it Marbury? It should have been so. Raymond Felton that one season. I mean, that one season. I think you will be the first. You will be the first since Marbury. And then even before that, I think it's John Starks. Um, Jesus, man. Yeah. The, the Knicks wow. haven't had too many guards. Obviously, they had Mellow a bunch of times. 
I think he yeah. would be the first guard since Marbury. And Porzingis, I think, once. once or Porzingis once. made an all-star team. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Which and, be, obviously, which and obviously Julius Randle a couple years ago. Now, I was, ago. I was hoping to see R.J. Barrett uh, on this list this season. But, like, yeah, he, but he, is, he, is, he hasn't quite done that. He hasn't quite he, done he's that. He's shown that some good things, but he's still not where I want it to be. Uh, yep, I, a lot of a lot of Knicks fans, and I don't think J- I don't think Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle have gotten in the way of that necessarily. No, I just think RJ no. needs to be better. That's it. Yeah, which more reminds me, it's more consistent. Uh, 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 well, we got there's, there's something there's something I gotta uh, let you know that I, I learned about some things with the Knickerbockers when we get off the show. I cannot say it here. <laughs> some, some stuff I some stuff I learned about some things last year. Uh, but that's it. That is that is Brian Fonseca. Uh, thanks for joining me. Check out his work, Five Reasons Sports, uh, doing all the stuff on the Heat. I'm sure we'll have more events about how the fans mess things up with the All Star Game by the next time the second round of votings uh, come out. We're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna come back, give you my picks, three best picks for tonight uh, with the betting for basketball. Brian, we'll talk soon. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, keep repping for the Miami Heat like you always do. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's later that is that is brian fonseca check out his work for sure there like i said quick break we'll be back in a hot second and we're going to talk what the best bets are for friday night in the nba when we come back on nba exchange are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports well look no further than prize picks Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the PrizePix app today. All right, we're back. Talk some picks for Friday night. Huge slate of games tonight in the NBA. we got a lot on tap. We're going to start off with the Nets. They are down in the Big Easy to visiting the Pelicans, four and a half. The Nets, their 12-game winning streak was snapped the other night at the hands of the Chicago Bulls. That was on Tuesday night. The Nets are four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Pelicans. Pelicans plus 158 on that money line. Over under here is 231. Remember, the Pelicans now without Zion Williamson, no Brandon Ingram. I love the Nets in this. I think there's a lot of respect for the Pelicans and their defense, and Brian, Brian talked about how they're playing and why I think the number is not this high for the Nets uh, at four and a half. But I think the Nets are going to be pretty pissed off that the streak came to an end against the Bulls on the road. Also, remember, first game of the season, the Pelicans gave them the business, took it to them at the Barclays Center. I like the revenge factor here. Give me the Nets to cover the four and a half points. Uh, Obviously, continued big games for anything you get with Durant, Irving. I think both of those guys come out very focused tonight. They want to start this off. This is a decent stretch and test for the Nets coming up. They got this game. Uh, they have a back-to-back on Saturday. I'm forgetting who they're playing. And then they have the Celtics on Tuesday. Some big games. Eyes will be on the Nets over the next couple of days to see how they stack up against some of the other top teams in the NBA. The Nets, I think, knew they missed a chance to tie for the best record in the NBA the other night. Again, I think they come out focused here. Love them in this spot. I think it's a low number. If you can get in on a four-and-a-half early, do it. Wouldn't shock me if this line moves up a point or so before tip-off tonight down in the Big Easy. All right, next up, the team that beat the Nets, the Chicago Bulls, they are in the city of brotherly love. They'll be taking on the Sixers. Bulls plus 160 on their money line. Sixers, they're the favorites here. Four and a half, also the line, over under of 231. A little shocked here, too, at how low the line is. But the Bulls, they have been playing scrappy. But I think, look, the Sixers, they've been playing good. Embiid and Harden. Harden's been solid. Racking up the assists, not turning the ball over. Maxi's back now. The Sixers look like they're starting to start around into form. They've been very solid defensively all year. I think the Bulls just don't have enough. They're coming off a, a win with a big high 
Uh, Bulls now have 17 wins. They're back into that playing spot at the bottom of the East, and they've been playing more competitive. I think this would be a competitive game, but at this number, I like the Sixers to cover. I think they can win by six or more points. Uh, so if you want to stretch it maybe a point and try to see if you can get better odds, I would like that. But I like the Sixers here, the way they're playing. And I think one of the things that hurts the Bulls is they have no answer for really good bigs inside like Embiid, Jokic, those kind of guys. They're going to kill them on the inside. I expect a monster game for Embiid. I would take the over for him with his points line t- total. Also on the glass, this is a team in the Bulls that can be hurt in the glass and look for the Sixers to do that as well. Give me the Sixers to cover the minus four and a half. So low spreads, four and a half for the first two. I like that. The Miami Heat, who we talked about a lot on this show today, they are visiting the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix. They will be battling the Suns. The Heat are two-point favorites here. The Suns plus 115. They are home underdogs over under here of 214. And why is that number so low for the NBA team? Well, the Suns, they are struggling to score as of late with no Devin Booker. You've seen that last couple of games. Uh, they did get a good win the other night. The Suns did. But I do not trust this offense. Chris Paul, you're asking him to be the guy a lot. I do not think that's something that he could do and carry for long stretches anymore. As much as I love Chris Paul, is a tall order for them without Devin Booker. Bam at a bio should make things difficult for DeAndre Ayton. I just trust the Miami offense. Yes, I trust the Miami offense more, even though they're the 27th ranked office in adjusted offensive rating, an offense that I do not love. But I trust them a little bit more. I think they'll be pissed. Coming off of a loss, this is another thing you hear with the trend in these games. I like the revenge factor in these games. I talked about it with the Nets. Same thing for the Heat. I think they'll be very upset over the loss. I think they cover these two points. I love them as two-point favorites on the road. I think they come back. Big bounce-back game. Look for Kyle Lowry, who did not have a good game. I think he bounces back here with a solid one. I think they're pissed off with the loss of the Lakers at home, out in Phoenix. I think the Heat are able to get the win. So I'm taking all the favorites tonight. Give me the Nets. Covering the four and a half, the Sixers on the road. The Sixers covering the four and a half at home against the Bulls. And the Heat covering the two points in the Valley of the Sun out there in Phoenix against the Suns who are injury depleted. That is it for this episode of the NBA Exchange. We close another week. We'll be talking a lot more about a lot of the teams in the next coming week. Uh, There'll be two episodes next week, Monday and Friday. Nothing on Wednesday. Gerard out of town, as I told you guys the other day. But we'll have plenty to talk about. There'll be so much to talk about. I'm enjoying the games, enjoying the performances. Please, people, enjoy it, support it. If you like this show, hit the like button. Or if you're watching on YouTube on the Backpack Broadcasting channel, Facebook, share it, Twitter, whatever it is, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate all the support uh, in any way that you can to the show. Continue to support the show. Uh, We appreciate you in all those ways. And we look forward to doing so much more here on the NBA Exchange. Again, that is it for this edition. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.